go. Hey, welcome to the Financial Advisor Grow Show. I am Mike Garrison, your faithful and grizzled host. And today we have our first Canadian guest on the podcast. It's Sheena. Sheena, tell us about yourself. Thank you so much for having me on, Mike. I'm really excited. Uh, so my name is Sheena Magnata, and I am a financial advisor with Sun Life up in Canada in lovely Ontario, uh, wine country, for those of you that don't know. Um, so I right now am managing a book of about $30 million. I'm part of a firm um, that has other in, uh, Sun Life advisors we've incorporated to make our own firm. We think, you know, a few heads are better than one. Uh, so <laughs> In total, we have uh, we manage about 150 million in house uh, with all of us together. Um, we are a holistic shop, so we do uh, life insurance as well as wealth. Awesome! Thank you so much. Uh, I think team is the way to go. I really do. Yeah. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, if we can, just because this is about your story, yeah. And they're always so different. I love this. How did you get started in this business, Sheena? It's, it's actually an interesting story. So I started out on the ground floor. I had a child super young and I needed to go back to work. So I found myself as the assistant to an advisor uh, with a, a company actually you, down in the South, you know very well, Edward Jones. Um, so I, I was the assistant and I learned so much and I loved it. And I had a wonderful advisor that I worked for that taught me so much. And so once I started on the track, there was no going back. I knew this is what I was going to do. And that was really my introduction into the financial advisor role. And from there, it was just a snowball and away I went. So, so how did that shift occur from, and, and, and you're not the first person I've talked to that started off as assistant and then transitioned. How did, like, there's a lot in there. So I'm just going to dig a little bit. Yeah. So did you transition to Edward Jones as, a, as an advisor? And, and what kind of helped you make the leap? Because that's a big step. Yeah, and also a really good story too. So um, I actually left Ontario and moved out to BC. And in doing so, I stayed with Edward Jones. Um, but out there, they were a lot more um, interested in grooming assistants to be advisors because they knew that if they could build in-house with people who already had experience, it would translate well. So I, I embraced that opportunity. I had a really great mentor that helped me make the decision. But what solidified it for me was that when I was out West, I unfortunately um, was assistant to a few not so great advisors. And I figured if they can do this, I can do this. So <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Honestly, that's what it was. Yeah. Inspiration through mediocrity. Absolutely. <laughs> and so I just thought, you know what, if this is, if this is the bare minimum, I can do so much better than this. So here I go. So I don't know about the Edward Jones uh, business model in Canada. I suspect yep. it's similar to the States. And so um, how many doors did you knock on? <laughs> I don't even know. My knuckles, I swear, have calluses on them from, you know, and my, and my fingertip from pushing the doorbell button and the knocking on the doors. And I mean, they, it's 17 weeks full time. You're out there knocking on doors. So I always say I came from kind of the school of hard knocks. No yeah. pun intended. That you know, going around and just talking to people. So it it was a full time job for about four months. So obviously something worked. Yeah, so, it wasn't so, that. Yeah. <laughs> so so I don't want to dig too deep into it, but the thing that I always tell people about cold calling 
is this. As a young advisor, the most important thing to do is to have enough of a volume of conversations about what you do with real people, not yep. other advisors, because that's the only way you can figure out how you talk about what you do, right? Yeah. And, and, and that, that's the big challenge. Oh, for sure. And you know what? For me, my biggest challenge was the rejection. I mean, Canadians are so nice. I got so many numbers. I'm, I kid you not. I would come home and I would feel so accomplished because everybody gave me their number. But do you know how many of those people would answer the phone when I finally called them? Not like none. None. <laughs> none. Well, that's what we say people like are in the South where I'm at in Virginia. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you could call me. Sure, no problem. And then yeah. nothing when it comes time. You were getting ghosted, Sheena, before it was a I, thing. Before it was a thing. You're right. Absolutely. Well, that's cool. So how did you, so what, when, like, so you did it because you had to. Yes. When did you, when did it start working? When, when did you start making, making success and getting confident about your career? To be honest, when I got confident about myself and it was uh, from all of that rejection and doing it over and over again, um, that I got confident about myself and my skills that I started getting more clients. Um, because once you exude that confidence that you know what you're doing, then people I think are naturally attracted to you. I, I couldn't agree more. It's, we have the weirdest business, right? The weirdest business. 95% of all advisors get hired and have to learn the technical part of the job at the same time they have to market themselves. For sure. And like, I don't know about you, but like two full-time jobs is generally difficult to maintain. So, generally, yes. <laughs> so congratulations. Like, you know, that maybe that's why the retention rate is so low on new advisors. I don't know. Yeah, it should be. So, you know, one, one thing that really helped me too was the Game of Numbers by Nick Murray, which you touched on too, is just activity equals results. You have to keep doing the same thing. Get out there, meet people, talk to people, because that's where, where your results are going to come from. So true. So when you look at what period of time were you at Ever Jones? How long? 10 years. 10 years. When did you know you'd made it? I actually didn't know I made it until I made the shift here to sunlight. Seriously. Okay. Tell, Seriously. Tell, tell, tell us more. Tell us more. Yeah. So uh, I had to, so I, I actually left BC and moved back to Ontario. My husband's in the Navy, so we moved around quite a bit. But when he was done, we came back here and I had to decide, do I want to start over again with Edward Jones? I'd have to start I, four months of door knocking again. Like I, I couldn't do it. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I'd be here. So that was my option. Or to be honest, Sun Life, I found this group of wonderful advisors and they saw what I had to offer and they snapped me up right away and they said, come in here. We know you've got what it takes. Let's go. So wow, you know, that was when I knew that I made it because other people could see my value and what I brought to the table. It wasn't just me anymore. Uh, this, that's exactly why I do this podcast. But, but we're not stopping here. But that was awesome. That was awesome. You know, it's really interesting. Like, I, I've been involved working with financial advisors for 25 years. And I've, I've had a lot of experience with the big companies, Edward Jones, all those companies, and a lot with independents. And I will tell you that independent advisory firms that have a team, that have vision, are always looking for people that made it at an Edward Jones or something yeah. like that. Because they're like, all right, well, this person knows how to work. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's the same reason I tell clients that you should always look and see if the person is an Eagle Scout, you know, right? They've got a demonstrated record of achievement over a long period of time with adversity, you know? Absolutely. And and, uh, by the way, thank your husband for his service, please. Oh, thank you. I will. Yeah. It's it's very important. Very important uh, (laughs) because not the easiest job to have. (laughs) No, it's not. You're right. Oh man. So, well, that is so cool. So like, so you, did you start from scratch at the new position? Yeah, basically for, for the first while. Um, and then, you know, because they saw what I could do, they saw my relationship skills. I was really hustling out there doing what I was doing. One of the partners in the firm decided to retire. Um, so they've had me step in to fill his shoes. So now I'm transitioning his clients to myself, which again, that was another aha moment. I've made it. Um, because this super senior, he's been in the business for 45 years and he picked me of all people to transition his clients to. So again, that was just a a big sign for me. This is what you're supposed to be doing. You've made it. That's massive. Yeah, that is massive. So, so we're definitely talking about that, but that we're, we're hold that one for, for just a little bit later in a podcast. So let's get back to it. So you start off, you're at, you're at Sun Life. You, you are, you have grown up in Ontario. So you've been in Ontario before. Yes. Are you, are you in the same city? No. So I live about 40 minutes away from where I do business, from where our office is located. Gotcha. So I have a whole wide area that I'm, I'm prospecting in, I guess, and building my business in. So w- when you look at that, that time period, obviously, you know, you had a lot of confidence, you knew you could do it. What would you say were two or three of the key strategies or techniques that you used in whatever way mm-hmm. to to get your momentum going at the new position networking 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 getting out there and meeting as many people and it doesn't mean just referral centers it means anybody and everybody that would talk to me you know go out and just talk because you never know where you're going to get business from you never know where you're going to get opportunity from even from other financial advisors, I always say, you know, if we can't do business together, I, there's something I can learn from you. So let's talk, let's meet, let's, you know, whatever. So that is number one, the hugest thing that has helped me um, build my business. That's, it's very typical. Um, it's, it's interesting when you look at networking, there's just, it's, it's almost gotten so big that, that, that it doesn't have traction. You know, people either assume it only represents one thing, like being a member of a referral group, right. or, or they think Chamber of Commerce, after hours, rubbing elbows and drinking Chablis, you know? Yeah. So for so, you, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, maybe I should be more specific then. So, and this is, I did not come up with this term, somebody else did, but I'm going to repeat it, net giving. So let's, you know, when we talk about that is what I, what I do with a lot of the people that I meet is try and support their businesses so that they will support mine. What that means is sometimes it's referrals if I have them, but serving up a person on a gold platter doesn't always happen, a client, right? So what that also means is boosting social media stuff, just participating in their businesses as much as possible so that they want to do the same for me. So that's really what it's been about. It's not just going to a restaurant and handing out a million business cards. <laughs> like, who's that person standing by the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny story. Like when I broke into copier sales a long time ago, long time ago, um, 
over 30 years. Um, we had to, we had to bring every week, we had to bring a certain amount of business cards. Right. And, and we had a, a longstanding joke that on Friday, if you didn't have enough business cards, you were always going to go out to eat because you'd find one of those restaurants with a big yeah. fish, fish bowl with business yeah. cards. Just take them all. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. But yeah, it's ironic, but my story in, in copiers is very similar to yours. It was networking, 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 and um, it's giving. So when you're, when you're, when you're looking at this giving mentality, what, what kind of advice or encouragement would you give someone who doesn't have as much experience as you do actually being out there? Obviously, that time at Edward Jones had really prepared you to break through doubt and hesitation and just make yeah. yourself do these things. So what would you say to somebody who's a younger Sheena right now? I would say, you know, you might be scared. You need to just go out and do it. Go out and find people, hone your skills, start talking to people, you know, use your craft with the small talk and people will never turn you away if you ask how you can help them. They'll never do it. it it's the oldest tip in the world and it yeah. always works. In fact, did you, did you, uh, anyways, that it really works. I dare people to try it. I got a testimonial last week from that somebody somebody at, the, somebody at the meeting we were at yes did that and made money there you go i was it's it's honestly it's it's the simplest thing but you're dead on when you said it it makes it's no one will ever turn you away yeah well i didn't come up with it <laughs> <laughs> oh i was gonna give you all the credit no that's not how it works <laughs> that's how it works there's a reason i'm a coach and a consultant it's because other people are better other people are better. So when you when you look at it, so how obviously, you know, as your career there in Ontario has developed, as you have, have been given these greater opportunities, what are some of the challenges you faced? That's a great question. So, I mean, time management is a huge, huge challenge, especially with, well, you know, we're dealing with COVID right now, one of them. Man. Uh, but you know, marketing, social media, like technology is changing, compliance is changing. Like there's so many moving targets, it's really hard to keep up with them all, plus building your business and maintaining a block. So, you know, you said two jobs is hard. I feel like sometimes I have like six or seven. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Uh, it's uh, my, my, my advice to all financial advisors at any firm in any country is do whatever you have to do to have a full-time assistant that's just for you. Absolutely. Do you have one yet? I do. And she's amazing. Game changer, right? Totally game changer. I can rely on her for everything. I know that, you know, if I don't think of something, she will. Um, it's just like an extension of me, which is unbelievable. Is she licensed? She is. Oh. Yeah. Well, once again, like, that's what you have to do. Yeah. You know, because if a client get a hold of you, they still want help. If they can't, they do. yeah, totally, totally. So you've got your assistant. What is the when you look at all of these things? I guess it, it, I don't want to talk very much, but like I had a, I had an epiphany the other day. Right, the the real challenge that financial advisors everywhere I've gone in the world experience is that they look at marketing as either a prison because of compliance and regulations, or they look at it as a personality game. 
And so both are, are negative things. And so I, I've got a tip for you about all of your time management. You ready? Yeah. And it's my favorite book. It's called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Okay. Essentialism. And it's basically about being able to discern what is most important and then explain to everyone else why you're not doing what they want you to do nicely. Right. Nicely. Nice, nicely. Because and he's very, <laughs> he's very, very serious about that. But like when you look at marketing, um, I, I think that we have to remember what the purpose of marketing is and it's not design and it's not visibility and it's not any of the stuff that the marketers tell you it's about appointments. Right. All right. So when you're evaluating your business and you just basically told me the same thing I'm saying right now, you're looking at all of these different things you have to do and you're saying, how does this do what is most essential? So I got a couple of different questions for you. What percentage of your business growth would you say comes from referrals? Right now, it's not a whole lot, unfortunately. Maybe 5%, it's pretty low. So how are you generating new business now? Um, for new business now, it is, um, is it ex existing clients. A lot of the times, to be honest, we're consolidating. I'm building relationships and consolidating money. Sure. And that, is that because of the transition of the, of the business? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, you should definitely focus on that. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you got your own stocked pond, let's fish there. Right. Well, you need a little bit of both though. Yeah. You know, you do it. You, you, I, I'm not worried about you. Um, I haven't done oh, you for a terribly long time, but like I've done this a long time and I think you'd be <laughs> fine. You know, I, I would just say that, you know, when, when you have a great opportunity, it's just like farming, right? A lot of yeah. salespeople hate the word farming, but farming has seasons. And, and, and I find that financial advisory businesses have the same seasonal approach. And sometimes it's not, you know, fall, summer, winter, but it's right now you are in what I call a reaping season. You've done a lot of work. You've, you've basically prepared for this moment. You've been selected. Now you, like when farmers, I don't know if you've ever known when, when it's time to get the harvest in, they do nothing else. Yeah. They're up really early and they only go to bed when they're done. And they do that really hard for a couple of months yep. because you prepared your entire year for that moment in time. Right. Absolutely. And that, that for me, it sounds like that's where you're at right now is you're in a reaping season where you need to take advantage of the opportunity that you created. Yes. Awesome. So let's, let's roll it forward. Let's roll it forward. You've finished consolidating this opportunity. You, you and your assistant are, are kicking butt and taking names. Where do you, how are you going to maintain your edge? Where do you see the, op, the next opportunities, both for Sheena, yourself, in the business where you're at, but also in the industry in Canada? Where do you see the opportunities and challenges coming? I see opportunities in acquisition. So there is a huge aging population of advisors in Canada. Same and in the States. There you go. So I think for us and our firm, um, my next step is partner in the firm. So that's number one goal. And after that, it's acquisitions. Buy, 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 see what we can get. And um, I really do best with consolidating, building relationships, um, and just you know, doing the, the harvesting, doing the farming. So that's where I shine. So 
that's for me, my growth opportunity, I think, is doing acquisitions and growing our business that way for the firm. So we're staying right there. This is good. This is good. And the reason, the reason is, is um, I, would, I would say that the majority of advisors that I meet are somewhat scared of acquisitions. Um, and I, I would also say that they might have good reason to be. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm, I'm about to ask you kind of like for the 40,000 foot view. When you think about acquisitions, and, and obviously you are far more um, excited about this than most of the folks I talk to, mm-hmm. right? And it's probably because you've got a plan. So when, when you approach an acquisition, without giving away the secret, like I'm, I'm not looking for the ingredient, Sheena, you know, just kind of like tell me, hey, you know, it's got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like what are some of the key things that you think is really important for an advisor looking to grow through acquisition? I mean, you don't want just any old book. You don't want any old advisor's business. You have to be picky. You have to look through that with a fine tooth comb and see if it makes sense. You have to know your own business, first of all, and to know, yeah, you know, but you really do because you need to know what are the potentials and where can I grow and what can I offer? So for us being with um, insurance and mutual funds, we're looking for an advisor that wasn't insurance licensed. Because for us, it's easy picking, right? So you really have to know your business and know what's out there and what you're buying or potentially buying and be very picky. You don't have to take the whole block. You can take the top 30% and leave the rest. You can strike a deal, pay a little bit of a premium and do it that way too. So you have to know what you're looking for specifically. So I would imagine that you've got some good internal mentoring in your current firm on this but was there an outside mentor along the way that helped you with this or has it mostly been developed where you're at right now nope when i first started at edward jones i had an amazing mentor there we've kept in touch and he's phenomenal and uh you need those those people you know by your side to look up to and to mentor you and to to guide you sweet so where do you think the challenges are going to be for advisors down the road post COVID? Yeah, huge. I mean, so attracting quality candidates to our team is a huge one because, you know, as you touched on before, it's not easy to find somebody that has the drive and is trained and ready and willing to go. So um, that's going to be a big challenge for us for sure. Uh, Compliance is changing so much everywhere, you know, um, so that's a huge one. We, we actually, in our firm, have our own compliance team just to help us keep on top of everything. Really? Uh, so that's a big one. And technology, changing technology is huge. Um, it just seems like, you know, you get used to one system or one way of doing things, and then you've got the carpet pulled out and it changes. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. It is, it's the number one challenge when, when you're actually in charge of paying for everything yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> right. You know, it's just crazy. So if you don't mind, yeah. uh, just because you are our first female guest, yeah. if you wouldn't mind just kind of ad- not addressing per se, I don't want to push you someplace uncomfortable, but have you noticed a difference in, in how your career has progressed versus men in financial services? And do you have any advice 
for young women that are looking to get into an amazing field? Um, I haven't noticed a difference because I feel like I'm super driven and outgoing and I would never let anything like that stop me anyway. <laughs> the way I was raised and you know, it was funny. My husband had a quote today. He read something and it said, um, do your parents want you to be the CEO they wished you would have married? And I said, <laughs> yes. That is, that's great. Yeah. That is great. Was he laughing when he said that? He was, but he knows. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> yeah, I've been married for 27 years. I always laugh when people say, so uh, are you in charge? I'm like, come on, man. Really? <laughs> Like, I've had a great marriage. Don't ask me dumb questions. Yeah, right? Especially not in a public forum. Yeah. <laughs> so, what advice would you give for young women? Like, because right now, we've got a, an entire graduating class in, in America, and I don't know if it's the same in Canada, that basically have been denied the opportunity to go out and get employment. Yeah. What would you say to women that are thinking about being in, in, involved in a business like this? I would say, don't let the background noise discourage you. I would say, focus on you and what your goals are and go for it. Don't let anybody tell you anything differently. Just, you know, put your head down and go because there is a lot of, let's just say background noise. In the business. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of, one, of my, one of my key coaching points when I talk to clients that are, that are stuck is I'm like, okay, What's on the radio? Yeah. Like, like what, what's playing, man? What is going on? Because, yeah. you know, all of a sudden you have this spirit of confusion and doubt. I'm like, that's not your station. Turn <laughs> let's, it. let's pick another station. So I like the noise. I like the noise. Yeah. So, all right, we're closing it up here. And, and you got two options. You can talk about anything about, what you think is important for advisors about how they grow, or you can talk a little bit about the most impactful person along the way. I will talk about what I think is important for advisors. And it's something that I've really come to understand and accept recently is that you have to be authentic and you have to share your story with everybody. You know, if you're out there just sharing product and tips, that's not doesn't mean anything. You have to share you. You have to be vulnerable. Let people know who you are and your story and build those relationships because that is the key to your business. And that's what's going to keep referrals coming in and it's going to keep your clients happy. If you connect with them and build those lasting relationships, it's going to be really hard for someone else to come in and try and break you up. You, you couldn't, audience, you couldn't see it on the podcast, but I was nodding my head. I was pumping my fist. Like, I was trying trying not to make a lot of, like, ooh, you know. <laughs> That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It's um, another one of my old jokes. This is the advantage of being old, Gina. Another one of my old jokes is this. It's like, hey, sooner or later, the customer's going to figure out who you really are. Maybe it's a good idea to let them know in advance. <laughs> right? I agree with that more. You know, like I always say, be available to buy from. Make it easy for the wrong client to say no. Yes. You know, because like, I don't know about you, but when I was an advisor, not everyone liked me. And it hasn't changed since I left the business. <laughs> oh, 
totally agree with you. It, it's personality thing. Like, not my, my personality doesn't suit everybody. So I'm a bubbly, outgoing, happy person. Not everybody likes that. Yeah, um, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like the really dour, quiet introverts. Those people scare me because yeah, I don't know. Too. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> they do make amazing referral sources, though. Well, there you go. You know, it's it's really. I always say that if you aren't sure what referral source to develop, go for eccentric, because when when someone that's a little bit different, and I don't mean in a bad way, but somebody that's a little bit different makes a recommendation to a prospect, it lands much more impactful than not. Like the best referral source ever that I've heard of was a landscaper in Cape Cod. And he referred more, like a gardener, he referred more closed AUM business than anyone I've ever heard of. And, wow. and his, his technique was this. He would ask all the, like, because the people, like Cape Cod, I don't know what Ontario is like, but Cape Cod, the average house was like $30 million. Wow, where he, yeah. where, so he's working in these huge gardens. And he would literally go up to the people because they loved him. He was great. And he'd say, can I ask you a question? You're very successful. And I don't know very much about financial services. And they'd be like, sure, Joe. And he'd say, um, I got this advisor I know who's telling me like these things. Would you mind if I just ran it past you and you can tell me if it's any good? And they'd be like, sure. And he'd tell them. And it was, it was designed to be something that most advisors weren't doing. Right. And then they're like, well, I've never, never heard of that. And he's, he'd go, well, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're the only person I know that's actually successful enough to be able to tell if, like, what do I do? And like half the time they'd say, what's this person's name? I'll give him a call and talk to him. Wow. Boom. That, was, that story was told to me by my mentor, Art Radke, who was the guy that got me into BNI and wow. taught me how to train, right? He's, he's yeah. the greatest mentor I ever had. And um, like, just, it was so different. And the guy was humble that it was very powerful. Yeah, effective, for sure. Yeah, so look, look for weird, look for different. Yeah. Right? Keep that in mind. yeah. Well, it's like, you know, think about it. The most competitive referral source you can ever have is a, an accountant because everyone's trained to go after him. Right. Right, you know, it's like having, having a, a golden goose like that you're trying to get eggs from and having your pen in the middle of a, a wolf pack. <laughs> yep. Right. Absolutely. You got to walk through the, you know, walk through all these predators just to try and get to your goose. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you want to share before we wind this up? No, I just want to thank you for the great time I've had. This has been excellent. Great. Well, before we go, tell them where they can find out more about Sheena. Oh, you can find more about me on LinkedIn, Sheena Magnata, and also on Facebook, uh, Sheena Magnata, Sun Life Financial Advisor. Cool. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you. This has been wonderful. It's been a great Friday. Get out there, have some fun with your family this weekend, okay? Absolutely. You too. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks, Sheena.